This episode is brought to you by Daily Aliyah, an incredibly practical new book by Rabbi Shlomo Ressler presenting a Torah insight corresponding to each Aliyah of every Parsha. Make the Torah our most precious gift a part of your daily life. Allow its timeless message to inspire you and inform your day. Whether you're a seasoned learner or just starting, this unique book will empower you to reflect, introspect, and engage with the Torah by focusing on just one Aliyah a day. Order your copy of Daily Aliyah at dailyaliyah.org today. That's dailyaliyah, A-L-I-Y-A-H dot org. Proceeds go to support the work of daily giving. Jewish Money Matters, episode 363, Designing a Fulfilling Life and Business with Brand Strategist, Michelle Moses. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. I was like, what do I really, really want? I want to make an impact. I want to change people's lives. I want to show people that you can. Because here I was with the burnt out dreams, but I was like, if I could just remove all my limiting beliefs and delete them, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. And in less than a year, I built a six-figure business because I told myself I could. And that's all it took. I mean, it took a lot of strategy too, but I never would have applied strategies or thought about the word strategy had I continued thinking, I can't. Who am I? I'm just a designer. I charge $75 right. now. I can never make more money. I really put these limiting beliefs on myself. And for years, people put those limiting beliefs on me too, because when you're a designer, a lot of people say like, oh, you can only make a certain amount. You can only mm-hmm. make 65000 a year. Like you're, you're suddenly like identifying as your profession instead of identifying as who you are as a human and your purpose. Your worth, right. Your purpose, your worth. You just heard from brand strategist Michelle Moses. From comic book artist to brand strategist, my guest today let go of dreams, let go of limiting beliefs, and is continuously letting go of a smaller version of herself and reaching for a higher version. In fact, in an unexpected way, she overcame a long battle with depression. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. My guest today broke the six-figure mark in her business in only seven months, and as I said before, she overcame depression and she takes us behind the scenes on that journey. She's open about taking a step back in her business, even after she'd quote unquote made it, her comeback and much more. Today, I'm in conversation with Michelle Moses. You may know her from Instagram. And if you don't, I suggest you do. Michelle is a delight and a breath of fresh air. This conversation is not just about entrepreneurship, but about life, your life, our life, and how we can actually make it better. We talk about the role of her faith, the way she overcame depression and anxiety, her fulfillment framework, her money mindset, and much more. Did she achieve her dream of becoming a Disney employee? No, but as you will soon see, she achieved so much more creatively, mentally, emotionally, and financially, and she's not stopping. Here's the lovely Michelle Moses. Michelle Moses, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm so excited that we get to connect today on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely more excited than you. <laughs> <laughs> we're like 
we're girl fans here, people. Yes. You, you, you're <laughs> listening to the audio, but if you catch the video, you'll see how excited we are to actually get to meet each other in person. Although, like, let's make that a real thing, Michelle. Can we do that? Soon? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm down. You tell me when and where. <laughs> I am there. <laughs> let's hang I, out. I think I have to come up to the Northeast because I keep getting people asking me, when are you coming up? When are you coming up? So I have a lot of reasons to come up. I just don't like the weather. So I'm going to wait on that one. <laughs> I don't blame you. I hear you. <laughs> Michelle, you're a brand strategist. You are a graphic designer. You've built a really successful brand. You have pivoted. You have an incredible journey uh, that has taken you from, I understand you started your career writing and illustrating comics. And yeah. now you help businesses grow and really do it in a very strategic way. I know that there's so many lessons that we can distill from your journey. It's a beautiful journey. It's a unique journey. So why don't we start with the journey and we try, we'll try to distill and highlight some of those lessons along the way. Okay. So many things happened along that, that path, very winding path. Um, so yes, I was a comic book artist and I really thought I was going to work for Disney, publish my own stuff. Like I really saw that being my career. And I was so hyper-focused on working for someone and getting employed, I never really thought about monetizing my work. And looking back, it hurts because I'm like, oh, I had a lot going for me, but I, I didn't jump on that and I didn't recognize it. I was like, oh, it's so much easier if someone just, you know, hires me and tells me what to do and I'll have an editor and a publisher and live my happy life or animate for Disney. Um, so I, I did that and, uh, the the thing is that I was depressed. Um, I suffered from depression for many years, from my teen years into my mid twenties. Wow. And the I think I was looking for comic creation to fill that void for me because I felt really good drawing. It was an mm -hmm. escape. Um, but it's interesting because even when I progressed in my comic book career and I was very in the Hollywood scene and I, the Hollywood of comic book art, like I knew all the big comic book artists, all the big Disney artists. I was attending conventions. I went to Comic Con. I went to the Disney animation studio. I did everything I had to do to succeed in that space. And I was still depressed. And I'm like, I don't understand. I, I visited Disney in Burbank, California today. Mm. Like, why am I depressed? And it never made sense to me why. And here I thought like, oh, when I get hired by Disney, I'll be so happy and life will be so perfect. And I kind of was chasing this high that I wasn't getting through anything that comics were giving me. So I was like, okay, something's wrong here. Something's off. Can't put my finger on the pulse, but we're going to keep trucking forward. And the economy crashed in 2008. Oh, yes. And, I remember yeah. that well. <laughs> Fun times. Yeah. Well, you're in money, so you know very well. And everyone's getting. I thought you were much younger than I am. I'm like, how does she know? How did she know that that happened? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. No, it's so funny. I, I love hearing that. You thought I was younger. Yes. Let's talk about that instead. Yeah, let's talk about that. I got <laughs> right. carded the other day, people. I got carded. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I like you. There you go. So, um, the recession happened. I was in college. Everyone was supposed to be getting internships. Instead, they're getting layoffs. And I was like, how am I going to work for Disney like this? This is crazy. So long story short, I launched my own graphic design business because it was a lucrative thing to do. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were asking me to design stuff for them. So I was like, I'll just charge for it. And the art department at college was asking me to help them with a lot of projects. And I charged and I wasn't charging a ton. It was $15 an hour, $16 an hour. I remember when I raised my rate to $18 an hour and I was like, whoa, $18 an hour. I've <laughs> made it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my I've gosh. Made it. We're going to talk more about that. But I... I just built this business and the demand was growing. And again, long story short, still depressed growing Mm. this business. And I kind of like forgot about working for Disney. It was really very much on the back burner. It wasn't looking possible. And I didn't want to chase a fake dream. And that's how I felt at the time. So I built the graphic design thing. So now fast forward to 2019. Okay. It's pre COVID. I didn't know COVID was going to happen, but I, I hit a standstill where I wasn't feeling happy and I was like, I I have to make a really big life decision here. I'm either going to continue to feel depressed and try to find the thing that's going to make me feel good and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my depression, I realized later, like that year was me trying to find my purpose and not finding it. And when that clicked for me and I realized I'm trying to seek purpose and nothing I'm doing creatively is filling that mm-hmm. something I need to find like where those are aligning. And I actually developed something called the four fulfillment factors, which Ooh. not only got me at, yeah, well, we can get into that too. Oh, I want to hear about that. Yeah. That didn't just get me out of depression, but it helped me channel my creativity in a productive way that I knew I was fulfilling my purpose. So everything started shifting in 2019 for me Mm -hmm. and COVID hit. And, uh, you know, I was a burnt out designer at that point. I was charging $75 an hour, a hundred dollars an hour. But what happens when you start raising your hourly rate? People stop looking at your talent and they start looking at your price and they're like, wait, why are you better than the 35 an hour designer or the $50 an hour designer? Why am Mm -hmm. I paying you $100 an hour? And that's when it clicked for me that I need to rebrand myself and kind of position myself as a solution to a problem instead of selling services, as you know. So don't sell price, sell value. That's what we're talking about here, people. Exactly. So I really flipped that around, but not only was I changing my prices, I started changing my mindset because at this point I was so used to rejection and I was also so used to people just telling me to get the work done, right? Like I was rejected by Disney many times. There were layoffs back in the day and I still carried that trauma with me. Like nobody wants me as a designer, as an illustrator. Mm -hmm. And then I had this burnout and trauma. And then I was charging a lot for design, but people were still like, I don't care about the price. Like, can you do that cheaper? I just need it done fast. And people not seeing that value. So when I rebranded myself, I was like, what do I really, really want? I want to make an impact. I want to change people's lives. I want to show people that you can. Because here I was with the burnt out dreams, but I was like, if I could just remove all my limiting beliefs and delete them, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. And in less than a year, I built a six-figure business because I told myself I could. And that's all it took. I mean, it took a lot of strategy too, but I never would have applied strategies or thought about the word strategy had I continued thinking, I can't. Who am I? I'm just a designer. I charge $75 an hour. I can never make more money. I really put these limiting beliefs on myself. And for years, people put those limiting beliefs on me too. Because when you're a designer, a lot of people say like, oh, you can only make a certain amount. You can only make Mm -hmm. 65,000 a year. Like you're, you're suddenly like identifying as your profession instead of identifying as 
who you are as a human and your purpose, your worth, right? Your purpose, your worth. So much to distill here, uh, Michelle, before we get to the the last piece, which is the, you know, the, the Newsweek headline, I I, I made a hundred K. I didn't have business experience, all that good stuff. Okay. The end of the story, before we get to that, what I'm hearing here is I took responsibility. I took ownership. It's almost like there was a shift from a victim mentality of this is happening to me and this is just blah to no, no, no. What am I going to do to change it? You know, like that's really what I heard very clearly that you took ownership over this. And, And I think that's probably the most important piece here because we can play victim and say, oh, it's the industry. It's the clients. They're difficult. The industry's hard. Nobody makes more than X. We can play that script till the end of our lives, but that, like you very well experienced, leads to a very um, unfulfilled um, life, which doesn't allow us to really express our purpose. And it's until you took that responsibility for how you're going to craft your own career, your own business, your own life that you actually started fulfilling, fulfilling your purpose. So, so maybe. Maybe take us to that, those four fulfillment factors, because sure. that, that is probably so good. And I, I bet you this one of them at least has to do with helping others. <laughs> Let's see. <Yes. hear> <laughs> How did you know? Um, so the, the four fulfillment factors, number one is knowing your why, why yeah. you get out of bed every day. That was something I could not figure out for a very long time because I was reduced to a designer robotically doing designs every single day without anything tied to that. Right. Um, so knowing why you get out of bed, knowing why you show up for customers, why you show up for clients as a business owner is so important, you know, because on the days where it's really hard, you need to remind yourself why you're still doing this. And I think having that in my back pocket now has been so helpful. Um, and it also keeps me focused, you know, because it's like, okay, this is why I'm, I'm showing up today. This is why I'm getting dressed and putting on makeup. And, and when you're depressed, that those things are very hard to do, you know? Um, so though that during that time, it was like, I couldn't tell you my why, but when you know what your why is, it's like, ah, this is why I'm doing this. And it feels so good, which takes me to number two, which Mm -hmm. is the who, who are you showing up for every day? Now, the who could be a few people who, I mean, first and foremost is your client, right? What does your client look like? Why do they need you? That comes back to that idea of positioning yourself as a solution to a problem. When, Especially when you're a service provider, it's hard to find that sometimes. That takes work. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes us months and months to find that. But knowing who you show up for, so you got that why, now the who, so you have like someone and purpose, someone to to talk to, get up for, work for, right? That why, that who could also be your kids, your family, right? Your, your, that could also be a why. And everything's like kind of like blending into each other, like the why, the who. And then that takes me over to number three, which is your impact fluence, which is a word Mm -hmm. I made up. But it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's knowing how you show up uniquely and how you use your unique abilities to help other people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people associate their unique abilities with things like, oh, I'm a graphic designer. I'm good at drawing. Well, really, those are not your unique abilities. Those are great talents to have. But you have an ability beneath that surface that can really change and impact lives. 
And it's really important that you find that because when you do find that and you align that with your career and your why and your who, then you feel a sense of fulfillment and everything just kind of clicks into place. Mm-hmm. And number four is to have a big picture goal in mind. Really know where you're headed to and not only where, but have a very clear vision of who future you looks like. Mm. What do you look like in a year from now? And it's funny, I can tell you, y'all, if I picture myself in a year from now, she does not look like me. But you know what? I look really different than three months ago because I envisioned me now three mm. months ago and here I am. But in a year from now, she's like in a, she's on a whole other level. Yeah. And you should always be thinking that way because that's giving you motivation. You're using your why, you're using your who, and now you have direction. You know where you're headed to. And the clearer you are, and then I I really encourage my clients to make a vision board, make it so clear and tangible. Know what you're striving for because without that, you have the pieces, but there's nothing driving it forward. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like you were just were you like listening to my I just I just hung up I had a, I have a I have a business mastermind called Maximize with Joyce Azria and I feel like we were just having this whole entire conversation you really were weren't you I was totally there fly on the wall <laughs> <laughs> no this is really music to my ears and I'll add one thing to the first piece about um your why and and that it it's not just for us. You didn't say this. This is my, and you, you could disagree with me, but yes, we, when we know our why, it helps us get up in the morning, right? We know why we're doing what we're doing. We know why we're getting dressed, but it also helps us actually communicate our value, right? The value creation yes. is so attached to the why. Once you're so clear on the why, then of course I'm creating value. And let me tell you how I create value, right? They I really go hand in hand. They really go hand in hand. And I'm glad you reminded us of the vision board because I think sometimes we underestimate the power. And obviously you're a designer, so it's, it's, it's near and dear to you, but I'm glad, and I'm glad you brought it to us. Tell me, this is just a a little bit of an aside. Do, do we do a vision board like with every state? Like, like how often do we make one? I make one every three to six months when I start checking off my goals. Yeah. I, cause what happens is I have my vision board. It's my desktop screenshot in the background. And every day I take a good look at it and I'm like, what action will I take today to get closer to these goals? Love that. And I hit a lot of them. Thank God. And now it's like, okay, let's, let's redo this vision board. And the intention, it does change, you know, like Mm -hmm. also when you become this higher level version of you, like those goals almost like they seem small, you know, and it's like, you're now on the other side of it. So like, how can we elevate the goals? How can we bring this up a notch? Yeah. 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 I love that. I I really love that. I love the idea. I've heard before. I've I've done it before, putting it on the, on your phone. But I also like the idea yeah. of putting it as a screenshot on your computer because the truth is we do spend some, at, at least I do. And I'm sure being on Jewish Money Pat- Matters podcast was o- over there on your vision board a couple of months ago. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Definitely Listen, was. Michelle, there's one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, let, let's dive into this this really, this radical, it's almost radical change. Like it's like you said it, that's, I just had to change my mindset from just being a graphic designer to CEO of my own brand. And that brought about an ent- a tremendous financial remuneration within weeks. You essentially rebranded yourself, right? Um, and like you said in the Newsweek article, you, you didn't really have any 
formal business experience. It was more like you decided this is what you're doing. Now, help us break it apart for us a little bit. What did that look like in terms of actions? What were the things that you were doing that were different from Michelle pre this realization? So I... First of all, I started setting financial goals because I never really Ooh. had money goals because I, I didn't think I should. Like, who am I to have big money goals? I'll never reach them. You know, that was that was old me. And then I said, OK, we're going to make 10K a month. Let's start there. Let's see how that looks. And how does that look? What actions do I need to take to get there? So I literally just wrote it down one day in my notebook and I said, OK, 10K. How many clients do I need to book if I sold, let's say, $2,500 packages? And how many clients would I need on retainer for how much money? And I started breaking things down that way. So that also helped me figure out how to put myself out there on social media and how I marketed myself because I'm like, okay, if I have the intention to capture some leads and turn them into paying retainer clients, what do I have to say? How do I have to show up? And how am I going to do that? So that's where the strategy played a role. And I kind of just, I really, it's, it was a winging it situation because I didn't know what I was doing. But what I can say is that I, I didn't realize that this was a technique back then. But during COVID, what happened was a lot of women decided they're going to just start their own businesses because they were all, a lot of them, their husbands and they weren't working as mine. He was furloughed during the pandemic. So I was like, Oh, I got it. I got to really like amp it up. And a lot of women were like, okay, I'm going to start my own business. Some of them were stay at home moms that were looking to make money. And like everyone got really creative and everyone pivoted. And I kind of just positioned myself as starting a business during COVID. I'll help you get it off the ground. And I branded these businesses and I didn't realize like I'm developing an ideal customer. I'm speaking to their needs. I didn't even realize I was doing this. I kind of just did it because I saw the need for it. And it's funny because I didn't know a lot about business, but I knew how to make businesses look good. So I just positioned myself as the person who makes businesses look really good. I help these people with their launch. They at least have what they need, all the aesthetics and designs to launch. I help them with their websites also. And, you know, websites alone could be like a $5,000 package. So Mm -hmm. that was just like, and all of a sudden, and I'm getting my retainer clients because a lot of these women needed ongoing designs. And before I knew it, I'm making $15,000, $20,000 a month. And I, I... you know what? It's like weird because I had an out of body experience when this was happening because it was just kind of happening. You know, like it's one thing when you set a strategy and you have your goals and things are and you're like, OK, right. I could check this off. Kind of everything just kind of exploded really quickly. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? And six months in looking back and I also was terrible at keeping track of money. So I didn't even realize how much money I was making until like three months out. And I'm looking back and I'm like telling my husband, I'm like, I made $15,000 last month. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. And I'm projected to make about 20,000 this month. And he's like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so it was like wild. <laughs> Did that answer your question? I got yeah. no, I no, no, no. So, tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you started, you really, I want to highlight one thing that you said that it almost could go unnoticed um, because I did ask you what you did and you started telling me what you did differently, but you right. said, you saw a need for it. Yeah. And I think this is so important. I, I I know that many people out there see a need and they know they could fulfill it, but then there comes the, who am I to do that? Yeah. There's other people filling that, that need. There's She does it better, right? And we don't go at it. 
Um, and that makes a difference. That, that, that's, that's where the, the, there's a, the need is there. And there could be several people who identify the need. You told me yeah. at the beginning of the conversation, there was a need for somebody to be talking about money in the Orthodox Jewish space. And you yeah. felt that need, right? Um, not everybody has the wherewithal, the courage, I think would be the word to say, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks because there is somebody out there who's going to think, yes, I needed you. Thank you for showing up. And you, and you are testament to the fact that there were people out there who said, thank you because I need you. Yeah. So and they, were, they were giving you their money because you fulfilled a need. So imagine if Michelle had, and this might have been the previous Michelle, had listened to that voice that said, oh, come on, there are other people that are helping people, are helping entrepreneurs start businesses. Who am I to do that? I, I mean, I know graphic design, but come on, really? Right? Meanwhile, you didn't listen to that and you was, and you, you owned it. You said, I, I know you, I know you have a need. I can tell you exactly what that need is, specific, particularly because I've been there, right? right? That's also an important piece of the journey, right? Very often yes. our best client is us, us. Is somebody just like us. Exactly. So, okay. So, so Michelle starts doing this during COVID. Things are exploding. Um, what, what happens next? What happens next is I kept doing it because I'm like, okay, this is working. Let me keep doing this. And then, of course, my goal started getting a little bit higher and different. And um, I really, I didn't know a lot about business, as we said, and I really wanted to help people on a higher level. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how can I help people achieve success? How can I help people achieve greatness? How can I help people change their mindsets? And and that's when the imposter syndrome started kicking in. And I was like, who am I to get on podcasts? And who am I to speak to audiences? And who am I to, you know, like, and that's when I think started getting scary for me. But that's when also I was doing all these mindset exercises. And I, I overcame depression, by the way, because when I was helping these women launch their businesses, you know, during COVID, I was like, wow, I'm really helping people. This is so cool. So and suddenly I started feeling really good. I got out of bed excited and everything was like really fun and exciting. And I had my why solidified and my who and my everything, like everything was just falling into place for me. Um, but I started getting really scared of growing more. Mm. And that's something that I struggled with for months, but like I didn't stop making big goals. We also, own, we, we bought a house that same year because I was like, okay, I'm making money. Let's put that into something. And, um, and we moved. It was like a big, crazy year for us. You know, by 2021, my whole life was different. Um, but then what happened was my youngest was, uh, diagnosed with autism. And then all of a sudden my business sat back because I was putting him first and I was barely working because I didn't know how I suddenly I had this mom life balance, this mom work life balance that I had to figure out and navigate. And um, it was very different launching things with a baby during COVID and having, you know, help. And now it was me and figuring out how to work with my son and now also grow a business. Oh my gosh, like so right. much going on. So I, I took a big hit. I took a big hit. I was not, I was not working for months. And then I was like, okay, I have to figure out how to scale again. It was like doing it all over again. But the difference is that I had the strategies the second time around. And of course, as we grow as entrepreneurs or as human beings and we go and like that for me, like this was overcoming a challenge. It was figuring out how to balance my life and how to show up more for my son because that was really ultimately the biggest thing that I needed to figure out. 
Um, and thank God I figured out that balance. Um, I actually built a sensory gym in our basement and I do a lot of one-on-one work with him. Um, I'm basically like his therapist. When he comes home from school, he walks in through the door at two o'clock and we are like all day together. And, you know, I'm not talking to clients during that time. So, you know, eight to two is my work day and that's it. And everyone knows that they know I'm not reachable after. So I figured out a way to scale my programs and my offerings so that I could reach many people at once. And, you know, everything kind of just shifted. I'm no longer, you know, helping women. I mean, I'm still helping women launch businesses, but in a totally different way. So, you know, it's, it's this constant growth and shift. And as we evolve as people, our brand is going to change how we show up for other people. That's going to change, you know, but like right now, what I want to give people more than anything is that realization that there are no limits. You know, you can always figure things out. You can always chase the dreams. You can always make it happen for you. You know, no more of these limiting beliefs and, and, anything that that's holding you back, you just got to let it go. I'm so I'm so grateful that you share the story of how you had to take a step back and really figure out now your personal life. So much of our business life is us, right? We are the heart and soul of this business. And, and the fact that it's okay, sometimes the business has to take a sabbatical so that I can come back stronger so that I can yeah. come back with my personal life figured out in a way that I could be that entrepreneur and I could be that uh, person for my clients. Um, and, and, and I think the way you narrated that journey for us is beautiful. And it's an important piece of the journey that as I think for women, I mean, it happens to everybody probably, but I think women as because of the fact that we're wives and mothers and have that as a primary responsibility, we co- when we're entrepreneurs, we come up against that reality perhaps more often, perhaps in a more um, real way, tangible way. And it's important to know and to hear from entrepreneurs, you're going to come, come up against that. And that's yeah. okay. You can take your time. Take your sabbatical. Do what you need to do. The business is going to be there. You're, it's going to be better for the business when you actually put everything into place so that you can come back. And, 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 and I think that's, that's, that's beautiful. So, so, so the, the, it sounds to me like the anxiety and the depression was very much connected with that sense of purpose and that ability yeah. to help other people. Um, and it's actually so interesting to see how it, it evolved and you were able to overcome that. Now, as a, as a Jewish woman, this whole time, what was the role of your faith in, in this journey? And, and, and this could be in many layers. I'm not just referring to the anxiety, the depression, but even, even with this idea of, you know, do, do I really make it big? Like you said, I was scared of making it big, right? There, it, it could show up in so many ways. Um, yeah. how do you feel like your Judaism informed any of these, um, challenges or stages? I love that question because it really did play a big role. And I don't talk about it enough because I do take for granted that I always had a very close connection with God. And my faith has always been really strong. But I think the little things, like sometimes it's the little things, like the growing the amuna and growing the bitachon, like we forget to take a moment out of our day to really strengthen that because that takes work. That doesn't get really strong overnight. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I started practicing gratitude, which was like another pivotal role in me overcoming depression. And I did slip back into those 
familiar depressed feelings when mm-hmm. I got my son's diagnosis. Cause I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, and, and I don't, I don't have tools. Like I didn't know anything. Um, this was also two years ago. So I've learned a lot, but the first thing I did was I'm not going to let my faith in God take a step back because he got me this far. And like you said, like sometimes it's okay to just take a break. And I told myself that I'm like, if I step away from my business growth right now, nothing's going to happen because God's got me. He knows what's best for me. And this is happening now because it needs to happen. So I'm going to figure this out. And I started practicing my five daily points of gratitude, which I still continue to do. Um, And it's amazing how that something so small, changing that in my day, Yep. Suddenly all the hard things that used to make me feel like my world was crashing. I'm now kind of like, okay, but at least I have this and at least I'm breathing right now. <laughs> like suddenly, like I feel like I've built this, um, toolbox where yeah. when things get hard, I just pull out whatever I need and I get through it. And it's like a forward moving direction, yeah. you know? So yeah, that I've definitely grown closer to God. I've always been from, and I've always felt like I can talk to God when I need to. Um, but now it's kind of like, wow, thank you. I'm so lucky. Even when things are hard, my life's amazing. Even yeah. when we get really bad news, thank you. You know, and it's just completely changed the way I see things. Hey, do you know what's my favorite email of the day? The one I receive from Daily Giving every morning. I get to see a new updated donation amount and the organization receiving the donation that day. True, I may have only contributed $1, but the impact of my dollar when pooled with that of thousands of Daily Givers is massive. I love knowing that every single day I'm giving, no matter how busy my life gets, I know every day I'm fulfilling the mitzvah of tzedakah because I signed up to daily giving and so should you. Don't wait. Head over to dailygiving.org and become a daily giver today. I don't know if we give it as much credit as it deserves and this ability, this focus to try to bring that consciousness constantly. And it could be just journaling. It could be just take five minutes a day and just write the things that you're thankful for at this very moment. I posted on social media recently because I came across this quote in Dallas when I went, I went away a couple of weeks ago with my family. Imagine waking up tomorrow with only the things you thanked God for today. Oh my goodness. Can, can like, can we, can we let that sink in? Right. Imagine waking up tomorrow with only the things that you think God for today. Like we would be thinking constantly, right? Because mm-hmm. we have so much to thank for and we wouldn't leave time for the complaining and the whining and the, like we wouldn't leave space in our life for that. And what I heard from that answer, honestly, was again, I circled it in my paper responsibility, no victim mentality, right? Uh, I heard it time and time again. Um, And I I think, I think that's just such, such an important piece of, 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 of the journey and that we have to know as entrepreneurs, 
Um, and look, it's a life lesson. It's not just entrepreneurs. It's just a recipe for life, taking responsibility, yeah. being grateful, knowing that God has your back, right? And, and gratitude and bitachon go hand in hand. We can't, we, we trust him. We are constantly grateful to him and that, that builds our trust. Now going to the women, um, who you serve. We've yes. talked about your journey, your challenges, um, main journey, your challenges. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about the, the things that you're seeing, the most common struggles that you see women facing as you're coaching them, um, in their business growth. Um, it's interesting. It's, I was actually just doing research on this because I'm like, okay, what's the common denominator? Cause there's always one, always. Yeah. And I realized that it's not just like, oh, I, I'm starting a business strategies. It's always, I just went through something really big. I have changed. How do I get my branding to reflect the new version of me? Mm. And not everyone can actually say this. Like they don't realize it. But I started to notice that this is happening across the board with my clientele. And I'm like, that's so interesting because I just went through that. And it's really... um what happens is like when we launch a brand, it reflects us, you know, like even mm -hmm. when clients of 2020 came to me and they wanted a logo with this color and that flair, um, we want a piece of us in it. And even beyond the aesthetics, we want us in our brand, right? Whether you're building a personal brand or you're selling a product, there's a piece of us in it. But what happens when that piece of us becomes a new version of us? Mm -hmm. It no longer aligns. So people come to me when they're like, there, there needs, there needs to be a shift. I'm not feeling my brand right now, but I don't want to change my business. So right. how do I show up as this new version of me and still maintain my brand identity? It's a great question, right? Like, I don't, yeah. So that was something I've dealt with. And, um, and it's funny because I just did a rebrand a couple of years ago after I became this new version of me after we, after the move. So it was like I rebranded, then I rebranded again. And it's just finding that connection, like rekindling that connection with our brand. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And I think a lot of women need to hear this always. It's okay if your audience changes because you changed. And if you need to reach a newer audience or if your business grew, it's okay if things start changing in your business. It's okay if your offers are new. It's okay if your prices went up. It doesn't have to be the same. You can change your business. You can yeah. change the way you are in your business. So, and then the question becomes, well, wh how, what changes am I making? What are they going to look like? And that's where I come in and help them with the coaching. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you talked about that. We were just having this conversation inside Maximize. Like, it's okay to pivot. It's yeah. okay to pivot. Go for Definitely. it. Own it. Own it. And you know, you're not married to your price. Just because it was the price three months ago, well, a year ago, whatever it was, doesn't mean it's going to be that price forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead and change it. You own your business. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> and by the way, you can even lower your prices. When I started coaching and I didn't know what I was doing, I, I've only been coaching for a few years. So three years ago, when I decided I'm going to be a coach, I charged very little for it. You know, up when it was up against my branding packages, I was losing money because when people, you know, booked me for coaching instead of branding, I was like, oh no, I'm not reaching my monthly goals. What's going on? Mm -hmm. But I figured out how to coach. I figured out who my client was because I started low and then I built and then I figured out where I needed to get to. So sometimes like, you know, change could look really different for everyone. You know, yeah. you can test and that's okay. I'm a huge fan of testing. Yes. I'm a huge fan of testing too. And something that 
Um, I'm curious your take on it. As a brand strategist, you might have a little bit of a different take or you might be able to maybe refine my take on this one. Um, I often see that when people are starting, um, what, because they're being held back by all those limiting beliefs that you talked about before, um, who am I to do this? Uh, there's no money in this. How could I charge? Blah, 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 blah. They start hiding behind brand. And yeah. so instead of talking about the problem that they're here to serve, they start fussing with colors and funds and things that are very important. I'm not saying they're not important, but they're not as important as you getting in the face of your client and getting so clear and articulate on how you can help them, how you've identified their need. So give me your take on that, because I'm sure there's some way to balance it. this, but I always caution people because I see it time and time again. Um, so what do we say to that? I agree with you. And I actually won't take on clients now who are just launching because I want them to get comfortable being them without the logo to be their crutch. And, you know, they'll come to me, they're like, but I can't, I can't run a business. I don't have a logo. I don't have a face of my brand. And I'll be like, just go run your business without it. See how it feels. Exactly. That's running a business. A logo Thanks. is not a business. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Michelle Moses herself said it, people. <laughs> just thank piggybacking you. on what you said, but you're totally a hundred percent. We and cannot you know use the logo. Yeah, as a we crutch. cannot. We cannot. And even some, some, somebody said to me recently, but I don't have a website. Don't, I don't want you to have a website because you know what? You, you're still going to evolve. You're going to evolve so many times, but you're only going to evolve if you're out there taking action. It doesn't happen if you're sitting here in your box. It only happens with the action. So one day you'll have the website. You don't need the website to go serve people, to go help them. Yeah, 100%. Figure out your messaging first. Know what you're showing up for. Know who you're helping. And then you can have all the bells and whistles, but get your business up and running at least three months. Know what you're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Michelle, going to the financial piece, you you started making money. Like you said at the beginning, you didn't have clear financial goals. You started making goals. You weren't really tracking your money, but then you started tracking your money and you guys decide to buy a house. I'm curious, while this is all happening, what, what were the conversations between you and your husband now that this revenue is coming in? What were the type of, I guess, the conversations, the, the new, the, the new way of looking at, at, at a new, maybe financial reality. Can you give us a little insight into what was that like? What that was like? Well, there was a lot of conversation revolving around investing. Cause when you mm-hmm. have money, I'm a, I'm a big fan of investing it. Um, for me, that could also look like hiring help with my business, getting a coach and taking things to the next level could be a house. Um, you know, it was, like I said, it kind of was such a blur that it took me time to look back and say like, oh my gosh, what just happened? What did I do? Mm-hmm. Um, But I think like the first thing we said was we need to move because there were many reasons why we needed to move. And really a lot of the conversation was just, we need to buy a house. If we can afford it, let's just do it. And let's figure figure everything else out after. So that was really like the main goal. Big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just like, let's get out. And it wasn't even a financial decision. It was, first of all, the market was insane. This was back when there were bidding wars, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my so, gosh, yes. Yeah. And that was like, I thought like, this is forever. The housing market, the world is going to be nuts. But, um, you know, and and mortgage rates were low and we're like, this is the time. There's no other time. <laughs> so we're lucky that the the time frame of things worked out for us. But um, but that was really like the main goal was just mm-hmm. let's just invest this now mm-hmm. and have a house. Let's do it. So that was it. 
Yeah, yeah. And 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 what about today? What are what what are some of the newer goals, let's say? So, um really just educating ourselves on investing and okay. um yeah, we're we we're big fans of saving. Um and it's funny like talking about money and money mindset. It took me a long time to even like forgive myself when I spent because the the wow. piece of the money mindset that was a huge transformation for me was that every time I spent money, I felt like I was letting go of it. I worked so hard for it. Now it's I won't have me. it anymore. Right. Exactly. Which I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yes. And it was it took a long time for me to be like, it's ever flowing. I yes. made it once. I can make it back. It's all good, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, you know, so in those early days of, you know, investing, buying a house, it was kind of like, you got to put the money somewhere. And now that I'm older and years have passed, it's kind of, and I, you know, it's three years, but it feels like an eternity. I'm like, okay, we should really invest and let the money grow and let's save and be responsible, you know? And now also as kids get older, things start like bar mitzvahs, college, like these For things, sure. yeshiva, like these things start to um, take precedence yes. and priority. And I'm just thinking differently as the kids get older, the expenses start to change. Yeah. So, um, so that's like basically where we're at with that. Just making sure yeah. we're being wise with investing. I think it's, it's very wise that you're thinking in that. And it's, it's, it's good that you already have that, I guess, that saver, that ability to save. Like sometimes we come at it, um, not know I wasn't a saver by nature. I am now, but I trained myself to be a saver and an investor. Um, and you know, it was a big change, but if somebody is used to saving, you could say the downside is maybe it came from a place of, scarcity as you sort of mm-hmm. described before but there is an upside to that um and th- this is the perfect segue to to my question about your upbringing because you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation one of the very first things you said was about you always saw yourself as working for somebody else you never envisioned in in, in the, it, it, you had this talent you created these comics and all these things but you thought you were meant to work for somebody else that was like that was the paradigm that was the vision talk to us a little bit about i'm assuming that might have come from your upbringing maybe not but but tell us a little bit about what was your upbringing like when it came with regards to with regards to money with regards to making a livelihood what are the some of the lessons that you learned in your parents home whether for good not so good uh, but that you feel that really have had an impact in the way you relate to money and making a livelihood so there were two interesting influences in my life. There were my parents and then my friends in school. Okay. And my parents, um, you know, they, they had decent jobs. Um, but money was not talked about, you know, at, like I never heard we don't have enough or that's too expensive. Those words never came out of my parents' mouth. That's a um, good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. Um, but like my, my mom was very into protecting us that we never felt mm. like we never had, like we should never feel like we never have enough. Like we should always feel abundant. And she was very into that as a mindset and like literally speaking, like, oh yeah, we're good. Like, oh, that, you know, my, like it was never, oh, that dress is too expensive. You can't get it. It was always, oh, you're going to wear it. Okay. Great. Let's get it. You know, it was always, um, it was kind of like this mentality of like, there, there will always be more. Mm-hmm, um, now when I pursued our, I was very young, by the way, when my first comic got published, I was 14 
And I was like, I call it like child actor syndrome, where I was very famous, very young behind a pen name. So no one knew my face, but people knew my work. Like if you had Googled me back then, I was the top of Google, but you know, Google is not as big as it was now. Um, But I really, you know, I, I was talking about being an artist. It was something that I knew I would pursue, but then people around me, like the teachers in school, my friends, a lot of people would say, but you can't make a lot as an artist. You could be famous, but you can't be rich. And I heard that a lot growing up. And then when I, when it came time to apply to college and I knew that I wanted to pursue art because this was very obviously my career, I heard a lot of, well, art doesn't really make money. Maybe go into psychology or something and open your own practice. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> so um, there was, a, and my parents were super supportive. They were like, go all in on the art thing. They never questioned if I was going to make money or not. Wow. But it was, you know, the the principal in school who would, you know, call me to the office. Like, what are you hoping to do? Which college are you applying to? You're not really going to make money that way. How are you going to support oh, a family? I you can. know, and yeah, it was, it was very hard to hear that because it was like, here I grew up in this like sheltered environment where I was told I could be anything I want to be. And then I went out into the real world and everyone's like, no, you can't. That's not how life works. And I really believed it, you know, and my friends were real professionals. You know, they all pursued me for degrees. <laughs> real professionals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, here I was with my art degree and they're like becoming doctors and nurses. And I really felt inferior. I was right. like, how am I going to make a career out of this? Maybe they were right. You know? And when you hear something enough, you start to believe it. And I really thought like, okay, like there's just, this is it. I'll just work for someone. I'll get a decent job and I'll be an artist and that's it. I never in my wildest dreams imagined that one day I would run a, a business on my own. But, you know, it, I wish someone had told my 15 year old self that it was possible. You right. know, I just right. wish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's so beautiful that your parents had that perspective. And I cringe every time I hear of career counselors and staff in school who, yeah. who don't and, 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 and instill this in kids, because honestly, it's fundamental to Judaism. Like open the, the third chapter of the gate of trust. And it's clearly spelled out. So clearly spelled out. You pursue a livelihood based on three things. I'm going to say them so everybody memorizes them, guys. Your nature, your inclination, and your tolerance. You don't pursue it based on where am I going to make money? Now, that doesn't mean that the money is not important. It means that I recognize that the vessel for my livelihood is not what's going to give me the money. It's God. And God is saying, oh, I created you in a certain way that you have a nature towards to first a built for something. You have an inclination for something and a tolerance for something. That's what I'm telling you. Go there and I'll send the, the money there. Wow. It's like it. a recipe for success. And here we are teaching our kids. Who knows? It's It's just so destructive. It makes me crazy. Yeah, it was really hard living through that. And like, I feel bad that it took me so long to learn otherwise, but I'm glad I reached this point because I discovered that I can use my innate skills. Like we said, it's not the talent on the surface, which a lot of people confuse, but it's using that innate ability to help others in order. And and that's where the sense of purpose and fulfillment came from. And that's why I'm not depressed anymore because Mm -hmm. I truly know it's not like, oh, I think, no, I know I'm helping people and I'm changing lives and anyone is capable of doing that. You know, like anyone can 
impact others. And I think it's so important to find what that uniqueness is. What is that impactfulness that you have Mm -hmm. on other people? And you're already differentiating yourself and branding yourself by using that. Yeah. And maybe let's distill that a little bit, uh, a little bit more for people because it it is hard. And, 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 you know, we, we throw these words and we say, yeah, there's three elements are in the gate of trust and find your impactfulness and, and all these things. But as you said, you, you went through a journey and it wasn't in just in the drawing. There were many pieces. It wasn't just having that one talent. There were many pieces that, that kind of you needed to craft together that were, that were in your toolkit. Hashem gave them to you, right? Right. And we kind of have to put the pieces together and it, it takes action, by the way. It doesn't take thinking. It takes doing. That's my, that <laughs> do more than you think. Um, but, but maybe help us because a lot of people get stuck there. How do I find that? purpose? Like, what are some practical things that you can have, like, tell people that they can do? Okay, so it goes back again to the four fulfillment factors, but I'll I'll go into another thing. So first of all, you know, like when I was doing comic art and not feeling fulfilled, the reason why, like when I think back on that, it's because those four factors were not aligned. So I had my why, love drawing. It brought me a lot of fulfillment, made me feel really good, except I didn't have a who. The right. audience didn't matter to me so much. It made me feel good, right? Exactly. It's a hobby. Was, it's a hobby. Exactly. It was for you. Exactly. So there was no who involved there and there was no great picture, greater picture goal because Mm -hmm. I knew one day I just wanted to keep doing comic art, but there was no like, what's the next level? How do I take that further? You know, so it's really looking into those four factors and seeing how you can get them all aligned because if one is missing, everything implodes. And I've done like a lot of creative stuff throughout the years. I, I actually had a YouTube series that was very successful. Um, very similar to a podcast where I would interview Jewish women on their careers. Um, except I was missing, um, that impactfulness factor. I didn't know how to bring myself into it mm. and how to use my uniqueness. So I gave people the floor and the stage and I produced something, but I wasn't utilizing what I'm good at in that. So that was down. So I stopped the show because I was feeling empty inside wow. and I couldn't keep moving forward with it. So. When one of those things are not in sync, everything's going to feel off. So it's really important to figure out what are you doing now and do those four factors match with what you're doing and does it make you feel fulfilled? And if the answer is no to any of those, like I'm not doing that or I can't see that or that's not tangible to me, then it's time to take a step back and ask is are is what you're doing now, is what you're pursuing the right thing? Can you add more to it or find a way to implement one of these four factors so that you are finding your purpose? Now, to answer your question about finding your purpose, because that's how you could see if you have or have not found it. But what about the actual action steps toward finding your purpose? I think a lot of our history gives us insight into where we can go forward. And looking at where people have asked you, for advice, um, where people have asked for help. Um, These are little hints or like, were you like a chesed girl in high school? Like, where did you feel good? And where were you needed? And where did you fill a void? And a lot of people have done this in their teenage years and kind of know, but they're not actually like working on that. Or what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, it's funny, I want to be a teacher. And for years, I was like, how am I implementing teacher into my career? And then it wasn't until I started coaching that I was like, okay, Ah, the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot of that, those hints in our history. Yeah. And I think something that I often tell people to do is 
literally pick up the phone or send a text and ask five good friends. When you think of me and you, you think of like, what do I come to Yael for? Like, what are the things that you, that you know you would come to me for? And you're going to get a lot of insights into that. And you might even see that the answers kind of match. It, it gives yeah. you a hint. Um, and it's actually a very beautiful exercise because we don't, sometimes we don't, we don't know, like we don't see ourselves the way others see how we feel a need in their space. Right. Um, and, and, and often things come so naturally to us that, and this goes back to that pricing thing that we sort of touched upon. Right. And, and you've probably seen it a lot where because it comes so naturally to you, you don't even feel like, well, what am I to charge for this, right? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, that's exactly what you need to be charging for it. <laughs> that's exactly what Hashem made you so good at it. Because guess what? The other 90% of the population are willing to pay for it because they don't know how to do it. What what you do so easily, they have no clue how to do it. That's why you need to be charging for it. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. It's so true. And I think that, you know, money is tied to the impact that we make, right? It's not just the tangible items that people walk away with, but what's, what are those long-term things that we're giving people? And it's really important to think about that and know what that is. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Michelle, I, I'm sure you're familiar with, um, I always like to do what I call Jewish money matters, fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I'll give you an open-ended sentence and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. So when I give Meiser or Tzedakah, I'd like to give to? Okay. It's a toss up between Hatsala and Beaker Cholim. Beautiful. Both are very, very beautiful. Yeah. Very yeah, nice. at the top of my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so, such important work. It's yeah. A hundred percent. I'd love to make more money because. <laughs> so first of all, it's a really good um, sign of the impact that I've made on others. Mm-hmm. I do associate money with impact. Sorry, I'm like giving you the long answers. Yeah, no, I like but... it. <laughs> Go for it. But it's a, I, I like, I would want to make more money because to me, that would be a sign of growth. Right, right, right. I, 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 and I think it's such an important word. Let's say it again. It's impact, right? The money reflects an impact that we're creating in the world, how much impact we can create. And I think often we have this negative association with money. And, and if we can reframe that and see that, the money allows me to create so much positive impact in the world. Um, and again, it comes from, it's, an, it's a value exchange. I'm delivering a value and people give me these certificates of appreciation with resident faces on them. And that's how I turn around and create tremendous amount of impact. Not just, it's not even just, it's the value that I created for that customer, but then it's everything else. It's a ripple effect all around everything I could create with the money that I receive. So all that to give us a, a, pers- a really positive perspective on money. Something I wished, um, something I wish I had learned about money growing up is you could always make more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I it's a, that. I, th- I think it's a big one. It's like, oh, once it clicks that, oh, it's coming from Hashem. It's not coming really from me. Like, it's not like that self-reliance. Like, if I don't work these hours and I won't have money, if I don't, right? No, yeah. actually, no, you don't really need to like struggle so hard. It doesn't have to be that hard. But if just, if it's in alignment, which is what you help people do, then it just flows because it's just an, it's, it's an, constant flow. Hashem doesn't just stop it from creating. Yeah. He doesn't just stop creation of like, it's just, he doesn't just stop the air from being here or the water from being here. It's just always here. Right. 
That was so good, y'all. I love that. <laughs> yes, it's ever flowing. I love that. It's ever flowing. I always say it's it's a flowing flowing body of water. It's not a lake. It's not static. It's just flowing. All right, money, spiritual or physical? It's a physical uh, embodiment of something spiritual. Yep, a hundred percent. Something I splurge on unapologetically is practical house items. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Tell me, what's your favorite? I just got this dryer rack like for my laundry room and it like pulls out of the wall and ugh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> it was like $75. Like it's worth every penny if I don't have to run up and down the steps to hang my wet laundry. Very <laughs> nice. Yes. Yes. Things that make our life easier. That's that's worth splurging on, right? Yes. And plus if it's well-designed, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Michelle, spender or saver? I guess saver. Yeah, you. Told I don't know. Before. Can I ask yeah. my husband? He might tell you I'm spending a little more than usual lately. But if you're asking me, saver <laughs> is he? Is he also a saver? Yes, very much so. We are. We're. He's not a. I would not define him as a spender at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Mine either. Today, I'm most grateful for everything I have. I stop thinking about what I don't have. Everything I have, I am so grateful for every single little thing. I think that 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 you just said right there is just a such a big mindset shift, and it's it's. I would venture to say that it's also been a big part of your shift as a business owner. Um, you just said it right there. I don't focus on what I don't have, um, and I think it's something that if we could again going back to that conversation on gratitude, if we can all try our best to do that. I, I can't even tell you, I see it time and time again. Um, I, I, I bring gratitude into all my coaching programs. It's such a big part of it because I know how it changes people's life. I, I just yeah. see it. I just see it. All right. Finally, I'm Michelle Moses and I believe Jewish money matters because money reflects the impact that we make and we can always make lots of impact and lots of money. Yes. Amen to that. And God wants us to make a lot of impact. That's why we're here. Yes. That's, yes. And we have a job to finish people. So let's go make that impact and go make them go, go, go generate value, go create impact, go make the money. Michelle Moses, where can people find you? Tell us about what you're offering clients at the moment. If they want to work with you, tell us all about that. If you want to feel more aligned with your branding, you can work with me either via coaching or I can do your designs for you. You can find me at michellemoses.com. Moses with, is with a Z M O Z E S. You can also find me on Instagram, Michelle Moses. Beautiful. Michelle, it was such a pleasure to have this conversation. I feel like we could go on for two hours. We would be sure. having a great time together. I must come up to the Northeast and uh, yes. everybody stay tuned for the pictures on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for the beautiful work that you do. Thank you. Thanks to Michelle Moses for stopping by. You can find her on Instagram at Michelle Moses and on her website, michellemoses.com. I absolutely loved this conversation and I hope you did too. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. This is the best way to help more listeners find the show. Believe it or not, your review and rating has a big impact on the Apple Podcast algorithm. So thank you in advance for your review. And I won't just thank you now. 
but I will personally thank you because on Friday, I will pick up reviewer of the week and give them a 20 minute session with me where we can talk about your business, your money, your relationships, whatever is on your mind. And chances are at some point you will get picked. And of course, I will also be answering your questions on Friday's episode. So be sure to send those in. You can do so via email, yael at yaeltrush.com or you can DM me on Instagram or LinkedIn. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day.